Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, it's great to see you guys. I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. My name is Scott. And whether you're joining us with our online campus or you're here in person, it's always good to have you. And if this is your first time here, man, just relax. Uh, you've joined us at a good time. Today, we're finishing up a series that we've been in now for, this is the eighth week called Priorities. And what we've been doing in this series is looking at things in our life, the most important things that we need to prioritize, and we need to make sure those things line up with what we value the most in life, our faith, our family, you know, those things that are at the top of the list. So each week, we've been taking a different subject. Now, if you were with us last week, we talked about prioritizing work. And work's kind of like the topic we talked about the week before, prioritizing money. It's not that we have a problem prioritizing either one of those things. Often, we don't prioritize it correctly. And so what we learned about work was, you know, our work was given to us by God before sin entered the world. It's not like it was part of the curse or the punishment. So we can actually enjoy our work and find a job that we enjoy. And it can grow us spiritually, it can be an example to others, and it has implications for all of eternity. So if you didn't get a chance to to listen to that, you can listen to it on our website or watch it on our website. And today what I want to do as we finish up is I want to talk about something that we don't tend to address in our lives, especially when we deal with it, and that is the topic of loneliness. How do we handle loneliness in our life, when it surfaces, how do we prioritize it so that we can get rid of it? But the truth is we're all going to deal with loneliness at some point in our life. Sometimes we're going to deal with it multiple times in our life. Maybe right now you would say, hey, I'm going through a season of loneliness right now. Or maybe you just came through a season of loneliness. Or even if you're feeling great and, you know, I haven't experienced any loneliness in my life, at some point it's going to affect you because it affects all of us. There's really no way around that. It doesn't matter what you do for a living, doesn't matter your relationships, doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, it impacts all of us. So if you want to take notes today, our notes are available on the Church Center app. Just download that to your smartphone. But learning number one, we have all seen loneliness and we will experience it at some point in our life. We just need to understand that's going to happen. You can have a great job, great vocation, yet still experience loneliness, right? You can have wealth, you can have riches, and you can still experience loneliness. You can be athletic, you know, and be very regarded in your sport, and you can experience loneliness. As a matter of fact, the people that we see in life that seem to have everything and they have it all put together and they have it all together, a lot of times they're the ones that struggle with loneliness more often. All I want you to know is it's something we have to deal with. Even in the Bible, when you look at some of the biblical heroes, so to speak, the heroes of the faith that we study each and every week, the ones we'd rank, you know, in the top 10 or the top 15, they struggled with loneliness. So it's important for us to look at this topic and address this topic because it's one of the deepest forms of pain, I think, that a human being can ever 
experience in life. So how, how do we prioritize getting rid of it? Well, what's the first thing we need to do? And kind of the theme today is ultimately what you're going to learn is you're going to have to prioritize yourself. You're going to have to prioritize taking action, and you're going to have to prioritize connection with other people. The truth is, like it or not, we were created by God in such a way that we were meant to be in relationships with others, right? We were meant to be around others and fellowshipping with others and hanging out with others and in relationships with other people. So we have to prioritize connection because it's an antidote to loneliness. But before we do any of that, I want to make sure we fully understand what loneliness is and then some possible causes of it before we can ever address it. So there's a difference in being lonely and being alone, right? I think we all know that. You could be alone. Uh, you know, you could go home this afternoon. I'm going to be by myself. I'm going to get away from my roommates. I'm going to get away from my wife or husband, you know, whatever. And I'm going to just spend some time by myself. You're alone, right? You're recharging your batteries. That's okay. That's not loneliness. You're just simply being alone. And depending on how God wired you, maybe you're an introvert. You need more of that time maybe than somebody else in your family. You know, an extrovert doesn't need as much alone time, but that's different than being lonely. On, on the other side of that coin, you could be surrounded by people all the time, yet still feel all alone. So knowing what loneliness is, knowing it's something we're going to deal with, I want you just to be really, really honest with yourself just for a minute. I don't want you to, you know, share any numbers online, you know, in the, in the chat field. I don't want you to hold up a seven. I'm a seven in church. I just, this is just for you. But if you had to evaluate where you're at right now on a, on a loneliness scale, let's say one being I'm not lonely at all to 10 being I feel totally alone. I'm feeling immense loneliness. Where would you rate yourself? Just kind of get a figure in your head of where you feel like you would be because regardless of where you're at, it has to be dealt with. Whether you're a one or a two or, or a 10, it has to be dealt with. And it has to be dealt with as well because even if we're not dealing with it right now, it will prepare us for when that time comes in life that we're going to go through loneliness. But, but that honest evaluation, it's really a starting point. Because then we can see, okay, I'm here, and this is where I need to go to begin to deal with this. And it's also important we deal with it because if we don't, it's going to hurt us, right? It's going to hurt us personally. It's going to hurt us spiritually. It's going to hurt us relationally. It, it, it kind of stifles us. It holds us back. It keeps us from growing and maturing and developing in life. And so you've come to church, and, and the issue is loneliness and, and so many well-meaning people, so many well-meaning Christians or churches will say the answer to loneliness is to just not feel lonely because God's with you, right? That's the standard church answer. As a matter of fact, I saw it on a church sign this week. I'm like, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to take a picture of that and show it. She said, no, you're not. You are not showing that on Sunday. But that's true. That's kind of our response. You know, all right, you're, you're a person of faith and, and, and you follow Jesus. Jesus says that you're never alone, so you don't need to be lonely. You just need to get over that. 
And I could tell you that's your answer. And, and I could back it up with Scripture, right? I could share with you Hebrews 13, 5b. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God's Word, all right? Don't be lonely. God's not going to leave you. Then I could say, all right, Joshua 1, 9. Don't be timid. Don't get discouraged. God, your God, is with you every step you take. And I could just keep backing up my point. You just don't need to be lonely because God's with you. And then I could give you Matthew 28, 20. Jesus' words. This is the great um, commission. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I don't think any of us would argue with that answer that God is with us. God's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. We know that in our head. We know that, but let's get real for a minute. Though we believe it, though we can read it and see it, when it gets really dark in our life, when it gets really lonely in our life, we might believe it, but we don't feel it. We don't feel it in our life. We don't feel God's presence sometimes. We get so dark and so lonely. And I think about people who have lost a loved one. I, I deal with people all the time that, that you know, are going through grief because of the lo uh, loss of a loved one. And I think about them because what I'll see the typical pattern is, you know, maybe a few days, if, if you know ahead of time, a few days leading up to the death, they're, they're doing pretty good, right? And then even after the death, before the funeral or the celebration of life, whatever they do, they, they do pretty good. And then even during the funeral or the, the graveside, whatever they do, they, they do pretty good. And sometimes even after the funeral for a couple of days, they do well, they do okay. But then all of a sudden, after everybody's gone their separate ways, you know, the, this family's gone back here and these friends are back to their normal life and I'm left with the loss of my spouse or this person that I loved and cared for so much, it's then that the loneliness sets in. And often when we get in that position, we don't know what to do. Or even lighter, maybe think about the holidays, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. For some people, that is the hardest time of the year because they don't have that loved one anymore to celebrate those holidays with. And it's a constant reminder of who's not at the table anymore. Or even those of you that, you know, you haven't lost somebody significant, the holidays are fine for you. It's after the holidays when you experience loneliness, right? You have Thanksgiving and, and all the food and you watch football and you're hanging out with family and friends and it's great. And then you, you know, we're right into Christmas preparing for Christmas and, and that's awesome. And if you have kids and grandkids, it's even better. And you enjoy that. And then you even get to New Year's and you got this party lined up and we're going to do this. It's after those holidays that that loneliness sets in. So we may hear God's word and see God's word and, and know beyond the shadow of a doubt because of our faith that God is with us and he's not going to leave us. But translating that down to our heart, when we're truly feeling all alone, that's a whole different story. So let's look at what are some of the main causes of loneliness. Again, the better we can identify it, especially when it's coming on, the better we're going to be prepared 
to deal with it. And I think one thing that causes loneliness is separation. When we're separated from people we care about, people we love, uh, people, you know, that are friends with us. Again, because we were created to be in relationships with other people. But separation is a big cause of loneliness. Even Jesus, when he was on the cross, felt separation. Let's look at this verse, Matthew 27, verse 46. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He felt that separation. It's a chance for incredible loneliness to overwhelm us. Even before this, before he went to the cross, you remember he was in the garden and he was praying and he took some of his disciples with him to pray. He said, I'm going to go over here and pray. You guys pray. And he came back to check on them. They were asleep. And then he came back again and they were asleep again. It just reiterated his loneliness. It reiterated his isolation in the situation that he was truly in. So when we're separated from loved ones or someone we dated for a long time or that we were married to or, or work friends or whatever, they ca- that causes loneliness. Uh, moving. Lisa and I have moved a lot in, in our life, different cities, different towns, different churches, different states, uh, different vocations. And, and that is a great opportunity for loneliness when you go to a new area. Some of you are new here. You're new to the New River Valley, and you're starting to feel that loneliness because you're no longer around your old neighborhood or your friends or your family. Again, what we're going to learn here in a minute is get plugged in as quick as you can. Get into some meaningful relationships and connect with others however you can do it because it's an antidote to help us with our loneliness. But when we go through separation, that's a cause. Also, uh, different ages and stages of our life are potential for loneliness. And aren't we always in a different age or different stage of our life? Because our world changes so quickly right now. Life is constantly changing. Each one of those changes that you go through is an opportunity for loneliness to set in. Those of you that have kids, think about kids. One minute, they're in the crib. The next minute, they're gone, right? They're living their life. They've got their own career. They're living on their own. And it happens in an instant. And I tell parents that all the time with young kids, and they're like, well, I can't wait, you know. But they can't see it. But I remember my dad telling me, son, your life is going to fly by when you have kids. And it did. It's like a blur. But we're constantly in change, especially in the society we live in. And each change and each transition is a potential for loneliness. Another major cause is life events, specific life events, the loss of a loved one, the the changing of the job. You know, those are transitions, but you can sometimes pin it to a specific one. I want to give you an example in the scripture, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 7, and this is Paul talking. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. Here, Paul is, you know, he's preparing for this life event, the end of his physical life, but he still used every moment he had 
to connect. He's trying to connect with Timothy. He's trying to prepare Timothy for what he's going to face when he's gone. But the bottom line is this, learning number two. Life events can cause us to be lonely. All those things that you're constantly going through are a potential for loneliness in our life. And back to thinking about transitions when we're transitioning, we live in a very transient area in the New River Valley. I think it's like 15% turnover minimum every year in this area. Now, you think about how it's growing, Montgomery County, you know, Pulaski County, Radford, you know, how it's growing, and to think we're losing 15% of our population every single year. Very transient area, new faces coming in and going out. And I think about, well, how could somebody be lonely, like if they work at Virginia Tech or RAF at a big place? Or how could they be lonely in, in, in church? I mean, there's people everywhere. Most of you are sitting beside someone today, right? How could you be lonely? It has nothing to do with the amount of people we're around, right? It has everything to do with our connectedness to others on a smaller scale. Another thing that can make us feel lonely is when we're out there on an island all by ourselves. In other words, our way of thinking or our way of seeing things is different than the vast majority of population, right? Think about politics. If your political view is different than your family's, go home next holiday and talk about politics and see how well that goes for you. Right? You just feel isolated. You're like, am I the only one that sees this? The rest of my family doesn't see it? Or maybe you're the person uh, at school and, or, and you're on a team. Maybe you're on a, a sports team, intramural team or a collegiate level team, and, and you see a problem with, with the team. And, and you bring it up and you tell everybody on the team, this, this is what we got to do. This, and, and the coach is like, yeah, that's right, that's right. But then nobody else agrees with you or the coach. And you're just kind of out there. You're going to feel an incredible amount of loneliness because people are going to kind of just shy away from you or your spiritual beliefs. Probably a great biblical example of this is back in the Old Testament with Joshua and Caleb. Now, Joshua and Caleb were two of 12 people that went into the promised land to investigate it before the Israelites took it. Right? They were sent to spy out the land, as the Bible says. So Joshua and Caleb, along with these other 10 knuckleheads, they come back, and Joshua and Caleb give a favorable report. Man, this is great. Let's do this thing. But the other 10 opposed them. Like, oh, no, we can't do that. We can't take this land. Can you imagine the isolation that they fail. You got a million, two million people that are ready to take the promised land and the majority that go in and spy it out say, we can't do this. And Joshua and Caleb were like, yeah, we can, we can do this. Total isolation. Let's look at this. Numbers 13, 27 through 30. We went to the land which you sent us and oh, it does flow with milk and honey. In other words, it's awesome. Just look at this fruit. The only thing is, the people who live there are fierce. Their cities are huge and well fortified. Worse yet, we saw descendants of the giant Anak. Amalekites are spread out in the Negev. Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites hold the hill country. 
And the Canaanites are established on the Mediterranean Sea and all along the Jordan. Caleb interrupted, called for silence before Moses and said, let's go up and take the land now. We can do it. Only Joshua and Caleb said we can do this. The rest of them complained about all the people that were there and how fortified the cities were. They were out on a limb saying, let's do this thing. And it didn't end, it wasn't going to end well with them because the very next chapter, Numbers 14, the whole nation of Israel is all riled up and they want to kill Joshua and Caleb for thinking we can take this land. They felt completely alone, total loneliness. I want to share some stats with you. According to Roots of Loneliness website, who collect, they collect a lot of data on loneliness and depression. 52% of Americans report feeling lonely all the time. That's over half of our population. Again, we're going to deal with it. 47% say their relationships with others are not meaningful. Only 59% of Americans say they have a close friend. 59%. That's sad. 12% say they feel they have no close friends at all. 52% of Americans have felt left out at some point in their lives. 58% report that they sometimes or always feel like no one knows them at all. Over half of the population feels like nobody knows them at all. And this stat really kind of caught my attention. It didn't matter if the respondent was single or married or in a relationship. 57% of Americans reported eating all of their meals alone. 57%, that's crazy. Over half our population eats all of their meals alone. All that to say, if left unaddressed, it's a huge problem in society. And, and quite honestly, uh, I, I believe, and again, this is just my opinion, I believe COVID and what happened in 2020 has made it worse, 10 times worse, the loneliness that people feel. This hasn't helped either, right? Social media and the internet had made people, you know, better with their loneliness. It makes them feel further disconnected. Sociologists refer to loneliness as the painful awareness that we lack meaningful contact with others. So the average person, and that's us, we can spend 80, 70 to 80% of our waking hours around people yet feel totally alone in the world. And I don't share these statistics to sink you all into a deep level of depression today. I know you're thinking, man, I could have stayed home and been miserable, right? Our online campus is thinking, or they're probably switching to Netflix right now, right? But I share it because it's a serious problem. It's a serious problem in society. It's a spiritual, uh, it's a serious problem in our spiritual life. And often we don't want to address it. We don't want to prioritize getting rid of it in our life. So how do you do it? How do you get rid of it, especially when you're feeling lonely? And when we're feeling lonely and all alone, we're not real motivated to do anything. And fair warning, I don't, I don't have a cure-all. I don't have every single answer 
This is how you handle future loneliness. This is how you handle your current loneliness or, or what you just came out of. But I think we can look at a story in the scripture about David and we can at least see how David reacted to his loneliness and get some practical steps, at least get some steps that we can take to move forward. And again, even if we're not dealing with it right now, we'll have the steps and be prepared when we go through it. So let me set this up. David is, this is in the Old Testament, David's hiding in a cave. He's hiding from Saul. Saul, not better call Saul, just Saul. Saul is trying to kill David. And David is literally at the worst juncture of his life. He's at the lowest that a season he's been in, in his whole entire life. And so let's pick this up. It's in Psalm 142, verses 1 through 7. I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. When I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Then I pray to you, O Lord. I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I'm very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they're too strong for me. Bring me out of the prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me for you are good to me. I think a lot of us just reading that, we can identify with those words written by King David. Those words and statements, that's what we felt. So what I want to do is learn what David did and then what we can do. And the very first thing it says, as I cry out to the Lord, I plead for the Lord's mercy, I pour out my complaints before him. We need to just be open and honest with God about whatever we're dealing with, whatever the subject is, anytime we're dealing with it. And I know that's the standard church answer. Oh yeah, just go to God. Well, it is the standard church answer, but God wants us to do it. He wouldn't tell us to do this if he didn't want us to do it. And all throughout the scripture, we are encouraged to bring our issues before God, express our concerns. It says David complained. He said in verse six, hear my cry for I'm very low. And then in verse seven, he said, bring me out of this prison. So when God feels absent, when people feel absent, we should just open up to him. Bring all of our issues to him. And think about it. Isn't that what we want our kids to do, those of you that have kids? Don't you want your kids to come to you and open up with what's going on? Even if it's complaining, what's the issue? What's going on? How can I help you? Why is God any different? Does God deserve any less than us just opening our heart to him? So we've got to start. And just open up to God. The problem, you know, here's the problem. The problem is most of us have stopped complaining. We've stopped complaining to God. 
In other words, we stop talking to God and we no longer bring our issues to him. And if you do talk to God at some clean, sanitized prayer that has nothing to do with what's going on in our heart and in our life, we got to just be honest with God. This is what I feel. He's not going to get mad or fall off his throne because you're angry or upset or hurt. The next thing David did is he, he starts to locate the source of his pain. And we have to do that in our loneliness. We've got to figure out where is it coming from. So David moves past all of those emotions and things going on in his head to what he's feeling to identify exactly what's going on. And he realizes it's his enemies and what his enemies are doing to him. He said, wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I think we get stuck in these seasons of loneliness and we can't get out of them in these seasons of pain because we don't truly understand what's causing it and, what's deal- and, and what we're dealing with. You can't put your finger on it. So we have to get rid of those emotions to start to see that. And maybe, maybe for you, it's that you feel like nobody cares, kind of like David. You, you, nobody cares what you're going through. Nobody cares what's going to happen to you. Maybe that's what's causing your loneliness. Or maybe you are in the midst of some type of transition or life event, right? A, a new move, a new position, a new job, a different responsibility. You're separated from people you know that you care about. Maybe you lack physical touch, appropriate physical touch. It, it's, it's necessary in our lives. Not only will we put on this earth to be in relationships with others, but at times we need those hugs, those embraces, the physical touch. Otherwise, we just experience intense loneliness. Or maybe you feel rejected in a relationship because you've broken up with someone you really cared about. Or you're not friends with any, anymore with somebody you were really good friends with. It could be as simple as maybe you lack purpose. You don't feel like you have any purpose in life. But David's in this cave and he begins to pour out his complaints to God and then he starts to identify exactly what's going on. And I think if we'll do that, if we'll peel back those layers of emotions and really seek to identify what's going on, once we identify it, it stops those emotions that we're feeling. So here's another learning, learning number three. Here's, here's one of the answers. I need to get connected with others even when I don't want to connect. Again, we said that at the beginning. One of the keys is going to be to prioritize ourselves and prioritize connection because we are supposed to be around others. Sometimes I need to do it even when I don't feel like I want to do it. And I know it sounds like I'm not giving you an option. And that's because I'm not, <laughs> because this, this is necessary. Listen to what David said. He said, bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me for you are good to me. See, sometimes when we're in that dark season, that low season of our life, we, we do the first part. We complain to God and we cry out to God for help. But then what do we do? We just sit back and relax. We sit back and wait for God to do something to fix us. David's attitude here was, no, 
I'm going to take a step forward because I know the godly are going to crowd around me. I'm going to connect with others and the godly are going to come around me. He pushed forward knowing in his head that God was there and knowing that people were going to crowd around him. God empathizes with our loneliness. He understands our loneliness and he's trying to heal our heart, but sometimes he wants us to do something, to take that step forward and and trust that he's going to be there and holding our hand when we do it. That's what David did. He took a step to be intentional about connecting and he knew the godly were going to come around him. So let's ask another question. Just evaluate yourself again to with, you know, don't share it, but are you moving forward? to overcome, especially if you're experiencing now, am I moving forward to overcome loneliness or am I kind of just waiting on God to do something? Am I moving forward or am I waiting on God to do something? And listen, a couple of practical ways to get connected, at least at the church, get in a group. You know, we offer our groups three times a year. They're usually six to 10 weeks a time, then we take a season off and then groups start back again. But it is a great way to connect with people on a smaller scale that are on the same journey you are. The church, the design of the church, if you read the book of Acts, it's to grow larger and smaller at the same time, right? It grows larger on Sundays, which we know and we experience, and it's harder to connect with people in an auditorium this big or on our online campus, but then we grow smaller in the context of groups. That's where, you know, that models what they did in Acts. They met house to house. They had large group worship, which is for Sunday for us, and then they met house to house. But we get to connect with people that are on the same journey that we are. And another great way to connect is, is in a ministry team. We got great ministry teams here during the week and on Sundays. We have th- Three service times, right? You can serve a service and attend a service. And when you serve a service, it helps you to connect with other people that are serving as well. We got great ministry team leaders. Tom and Melinda lead our first impressions. Nicole leads our online campus host. And and we've got all kinds of volunteers in our tech team and, and different ministries. But you know, it's not just about, hey, we, we need you to volunteer because we do. We all have a part to play in the body, but there's a benefit to you as you serve people who need Christ, you're connecting as well. You're making those meaningful relationships that you have to have in life and I have to have in life. So we truly can get rid of loneliness, but we got to do something. We got to take that step like David did. So learning number four, It is my responsibility to act if I want to overcome loneliness. That's why I said we got to prioritize ourselves and then we got to prioritize connecting with other people. It's possible to keep loneliness at bay, but we have a responsibility in that. Let's pray together. God, help us to begin to really deal with this problem that we don't really like to deal with or this issue we don't like to deal with, and that's the issue of loneliness. Help us to be prepared, Lord, when it comes our way, knowing that we're all going to be impacted by it at some point in our life, multiple times in our life. 
Lord, help us to surround ourselves with others, to intentionally connect with people, connect with people that are on the same path, have the same interest that we do. Help us not to just sit idle and hope for the best. Maybe you're watching today or you're here and, and as we're praying and you've never connected with the Lord. You've never connected with Jesus. That's the starting point. Because he truly is. Everything we looked at in those verses, he's with us. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. Sometimes we may not feel that as much as other times. But he is our answer. And so let me encourage you, invite him in. Say yes to him. All you got to do is open your heart and say, Jesus, man, I want you in my life. I am tired of leading my life myself. I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and direct my life. And he'll do it. He desires a relationship with everybody. Doesn't matter how good you are, how good you think you are, how bad you are, or how bad you think you are. He offers that to all of us. God, thank you that you do have a plan to overcome our loneliness, and that starts with the relationship with Jesus. And that you will lead us out of our loneliness, God, but sometimes you want us to take a step. I pray especially for those that are going through a season of loneliness right now. Lord, that you would put people in their path that's going to help them to connect and overcome that loneliness. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we finish up, let me uh, just encourage you, too, to fill out that connection card through the Church Center app or through that QR code. If you've got prayer requests, please be sure uh, to put those down. If you're worshiping through generosity, you can do that online. That's the easiest way to do that or the black boxes at the back. So next week, we're kicking off a brand new series called Relationship Playbook, and we're going to spend about five weeks looking at relationships. Not that anybody in this church ever struggles in a relationship, but just in case you ever do in the future, it's going to be an awesome series. So make sure you bring a friend. I hope you have a terrific week. God bless you guys.